See, in my notes for this issue, all I wrote down was triple zero, more like Sassmaster 5000. <laughs> yeah, dude! <laughs> yeah, he's a sassy bitch. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, A Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan. And this week we have a little bit of news, but a lot of comics. Uh, We had some very iconic releases um, from the uh, comic book world this week. And we also got some reveals of some individual casting, some first looks, uh, or I guess first full looks at a couple characters from the Marvel Universe, and uh, we have a badass lady who kicked everyone's ass in terms of comic sales in the month of March. We also have an anthropomorphic duck, a Sith Lord, a man who can grow and shrink at size, and the death of a mini-pouched icon, along with a whole lot more going on in the world of comics. But before we get into all that, Kelsey, Ryan, how are you guys doing this week? I want to watch Derek. Tired, exhausted, and hungry for more of Hell's Kitchen. Um, So (laughs) the thing is, is that we have uh, we have all had like kind of a super busy week. So uh, none of us have really been able to get all the way through the entire uh, Daredevil. Didn't uh, it just drop yesterday? Yeah, yeah, literally dropped yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, we have jobs. Yeah, and I forgot to take today off. So we said we were going to do that too, but we dropped the ball on that one. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. so we did not actually get all the way through Marvel's or Marvel and Netflix's Daredevil. So what we're going to be doing is during our next episode, we're going to go like in depth on it because all three of us will have been able to see the whole thing, and we really want to be able to, you know, look at the whole series all together. Like that's one of our favorite things about the fact that it comes out on Netflix is that we don't have to wait. 13 weeks to find out the whole season. So yeah. we even have a special guest who really wants to talk about it. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a friend who is, yeah. who really, really wants to talk about uh, Dead, uh, Daredevil, although we'll probably have some companions about Deadpool, Deadpool as well. But uh, without further ado, we need to get to the news of the week. And uh, first and foremost, our uh, director for X-Men Apocalypse, Brian Singer, Uh, confirmed in an exclusive article to Empire this week that Ben Hardy will be playing Angel. And uh, he also accompanied this with a... I don't know. Concept art. Yeah, concept art drawing of what Angel may look like during the X-Men Apocalypse uh, movie. Now, most people, I think, who read comics during the 90s remember the Age of Apocalypse saga and will pretty iconically remember Angel's role in it, uh, becoming one of the four horsemen, becoming Archangel. And it looks, I mean, he still has some hair going on on the top, but it looks like he's pretty much gone Archangel for this movie, which, I mean, it's about Apocalypse, right? So it makes sense. It's very much a, like, X-Factor-E Archangel look. Yeah. It's a little bit darker. Uh, Yeah. A very, like robotic and just all like black kind of stealth suit. Have we gotten a full look at like apocalypse and what they're going to have him looking like? No, because I feel like all of the horsemen really do like harken back to apocalypse no matter what, like even in like the, like the nineties fucking TV show, like just the coloration that goes on between like the four horsemen and apocalypse, even in the comics as well is so like coordinated kind of, I think some of that is like a, product of like the 90s and like villain design but um i don't know i think 
we'll get a look at seeing what Apocalypse looks like. Or I think yeah. Apocalypse will probably look similar to whatever this, his, you know, Archangel does. Well, yeah, I don't know how much they're going to go into Apocalypse and, like, the Horsemen. I don't know if they're going to bring, like, Plague and all of them into it. Or if it's just going to be, like, maybe he turns Angel or who knows what's going to happen. But I think he'll turn, I'm, 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 I think he'll I'm turn Angel and maybe Wolverine. And then Wolverine will be <laughs> coming back, but who knows. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I don't think you can turn them both because they were both death. Um, but uh, I'm just excited that we get to skip boring Angel. Like, I don't give a shit about Angel with real wings and a stupid blue oh, full face mask. Ryan, <laughs> have you read Amnesiatic Current Angel, who's like ditzy and obsessed with being glamorous and healing the world? It's pretty uh, what book is that in? <laughs> I think it's all new X-Men. He's like in love uh, with, uh, with uh, X-23 or Laura. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've read a bit of it. I, I don't know. You know I stay away from the time travel stuff. So. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's wacky. But, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think Ben Hardy should be fine. He was Angel in the in the in one of those X-Men movies as well, right? Um, no, Angel's never been in them. No, are you sure? I yes, guess. Angel yeah, was in it, but it was Ben Foster. That's right. Different oh, ben. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Different <laughs> Ben. See? That's all good. Uh, I don't know. You know. Oh yeah, sorry. I completely erased X three from my mind. Oh, so that's understandable. I forgot that he existed. Yeah, totally yeah. fair. Totally yeah. fair. I mean, the only reason I own it is because it was in a bundle on iTunes. Otherwise, that's literally <laughs> the only reason I own it. The only reason I own it is because it was part of the like quintology. I don't know heptology. Right. Who knows? <laughs> when they put it all together yeah no yeah. I mean, that's the way that they sell copies of X three now is they just like bundle <laughs> it into the other thing. It's like well, if you want to get all the movies, you're like ah. It's like three dollars cheaper than buying them all separately. <laughs> it's I like when I went to buy fucking Teen Wolf on Blu-ray, Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf, and they package it with Teen Wolf Two, and I'm like, no, I don't want that movie. Or when I do, go to buy The Mask, and it's like, oh, The Max Two with Jamie Kennedy, and I'm like, uh, no, I will pay you to not give me that movie <laughs> for real. <laughs> they do do that a lot though like I realize that now like I'm looking at like my iTunes history thing and it shows that when I purchased um, what was it like Mean Girls or something like it came with like bring it on too <laughs> why yep. why because it's not going to sell any other way but it fake boosts their numbers Ugh, gross anyways sorry <laughs> hey you know think of all the extra copies of X tw- X3 that have been uh, you know just Put out into the in the world. What a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, actually terrible thing. When the uh, world speaking of actually out, not terrible things, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a new currency. <laughs> oh god! They're like the they're like the the, um, the Nuka Cola cast from Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my god! Oh man, how many X threes do you need for that water, man? <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> I've only got one and a third. Fuck. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, speaking of, uh, well, I guess it's nice that we don't have a third of a look at this next character. We get a full, full wow. look at none oh other God. than the Avengers Age of Ultron version of Vision, uh, which Marvel released uh, just actually, I think yesterday yep yesterday yesterday on thursday they revealed like the uh huge giant poster and we finally get kind of like a close-up on what paul bettany looks like in uh i guess like robo like suit i have qualms 
I'm sure you do. <laughs> I, I, I feel like all the time that I've seen Vision drawn in the comics, he never has pupils. That is my oh, – okay. That was literally my one thing I was going to say when I was like, okay, I have qualms. It's him having eyes freaks me the fuck out. Yeah. Like he's a robot, man. He doesn't have eyes. It looks unnatural. And it's and it's like I get that like he's a very advanced like robot or cyborg or android or whatever the fuck they're going to call him. Yeah. But like – like or Vision has never been drawn with fucking pupils. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. He like, has just like – just like Ultron. Eyes that are like fully colored. I, I thought they were going to go like yellow contacts. I, I yeah, always loved that. Yeah, I always loved that about Vision too. That like he didn't have like pupils the same way that a human did, but like certain certain artists could still draw him with like a ton of emotion. You know what I mean? I don't know. It weirds me out. It's like, it's like when they did the what's it called the Wolverine um, Origins story with Gambit, and it was just like a normal dude and didn't have like red eyes or anything. I know mean, it was just a terrible representation of Gambit anyways, but yeah, so that kind of thing always fucking bothers me, so I feel you. I just want to be like, I mean, because Tony, I'm pretty sure Tony builds him because Hank Pym doesn't exist in this universe right, as of now. Mm-hmm. And so Tony builds him with the help of, I want to say Bruce in this. Mm-hmm. Did they rip a dude's eyes out? And they're like, we're going to put these in this robot. I don't know, like, man. that's what it looked. How did they explain the eyes? If I, mean, I don't I can get understand. some sort of explanation in the movie, I'm probably going to lose my shit. I mean, like, I can understand if, like, I don't know, if he had, like, more, like, robotic-looking pupils, you know? And it's like, oh, he's got robot eyes, like, uh, but I don't know. It's just, it's a little too human for me. Maybe that's what they're going for. I bet you, though, what they're going to end up doing with the continuity is, like, basically having, like, Tony take credit for it. And then when Ant-Man comes around, they'll be like, Hank Pym can be like, yo, like fucking Tony Stark totally stole my technology when he made Ultron or whatever because he's drunk and an asshole. You know, seems reasonable. That'd work. So, sideline real quick, just because I just brought up Gambit like weirdly, um, I was like on the IMDb page for the movie that's coming out in 2016. Did you guys hear that Chris Claremont is writing it? <laughs> I thought that is was... he writing or is he just credited with characters? Writing. It says characters and treatment. And... The screenplay is just kidding. Somebody else. I can't read. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> just got but if did, I mean, if he did treatment, that means he at least worked on the screenplay. Yeah. I mean, just... it, it might it hey, it might be a bit of a silver lining in that maybe they're working with like a Claremont structure. You know. God, I hope so. I mean, anyway, sorry. It's probably just like the comic book world's probably just you know like super apologetic that they didn't credit him or Dave Cockrum on any of the Wolverine shit. So they're like, hey, we should probably put his name on this. Yeah. Well, it looks like the guy who's the writing the screenplay also wrote uh, RoboCop in 2014. So uh, gauge your expectations accordingly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me wish Michael Keaton was in this now. Yeah. Is Michael Keaton in this? Uh, doesn't look like it. Oh, Can we find a role for Michael Keaton in the Gambit universe? Could he play like Gambit's dad, like the wiry? Him in any universe. <laughs> There's, that up. there's always room for Michael uh, he Keaton. Could be Gambit. I don't care. Make him Belladonna. I don't give a shit. Put him in the movie. <laughs> Can you imagine Michael Keaton in like a giant like Southern Bell outfit, just trying to tell him Gambit that his tithing is due? <laughs> I'd still fucking watch it. And I'd probably, I I'd probably, more. I'd leave the theater and be like, Michael Keaton fucking killed it. <laughs> give him another Oscar, just right now. 
Already, this is ridiculous. Why is it taking so get long? He didn't even get one. He remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Anyways, we also got another look at another character from a Marvel movie, and that one happens to be the upcoming Fantastic Four film from uh, Josh Trank, uh, and we get to see the Thing, Ben Grimm, and he looks a bit more gruesome than uh, than I guess he had than Michael Chiklis' perfectly round head and everything. Um, I saw something on Twitter. I really wish I could remember. It was a comic book writer posted something, and uh, he was like, everyone seems to be disappointed with how the thing looks. Maybe we should just realize that a giant orange rock monster is never going to look perfect. <laughs> and I thought that was a very uh, astute observation because there were a bunch of people freaking out. They're like, oh, I don't like how the thing looks. And I'm like, he's a pretty absurd character in general. Um, he's literally like a, an orange thing that wears pants. So I think this, <laughs> Go ahead, this photo literally just reminds me of the scene in Mallrats when he's asking Stanley like what his dick looks like. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's all I can think of when I look at this picture. He's actually not wearing pants in this picture, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so <laughs> oh man, <clears throat> I don't know. I think like to me, I think the coolness of the thing is not him being like a human. A, a perfectly humanoid orange rock dude. Right. But, like, I kind of liken him to the comics lately with, like, Rock Slide and the X-Men comics. A lot of different artists draw him, like, pretty differently with how his, like, you know, rocks and shit are going on. And I like him. I, I would like to see Ben Grimm also be a little bit more kind of, like, cobbled together, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, like, it's a bit too grim, but I don't know. I, I like it. I Oh, damn it! I, didn't like, mean, I mean, when <laughs> I don't think they like went through the cosmic ray storm, the cosmic rays were like, "Yo, we better round this dude out because that's gonna be embarrassing." So, what Mrs. They cosmic done. ray was like, "Clean your lines up, sweetie. <laughs> round those edges." <laughs> oh my god. Um, no, what they should have done is just taken a note from the pages of Galaxy Quest and just brought over that rock monster and just had that be it. Just call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been perfect. Although so. I think they're really missing out by not getting his eyebrows like the, it's normally drawn in the comic book. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you look up um, Fantastic Four comic and just look at all the images, like, seriously, the thing has fucking, like, a brow in 98% of the images. So, you know, I think him missing eyebrows is not a horrible thing. It's not going to ruin the movie. I think it'll be okay. So we'll see. I don't know, people see. needlessly freaking out. I think there's a lot more to worry about in a Fantastic Four movie. Like, is it going to be any good? <laughs> is it like, going to be a repeat of the Fox disaster? Ryan's like, it includes the Fantastic Four. Should we really support this? <laughs> Listen, so we already saw the trailer. and We already all agreed it looks pretty rad. Yeah. But we've just been hurt <laughs> before. <laughs> That's Don't where we're at. Again, please. Oh my gosh. Hey, you know, I will say that, like, I think part of the reason why I hate the fact that we're making a third Fantastic Four movie is because the Fantastic Four, like, never move on in, like, the movie-ish universe. Like, my favorite Fantastic Four, I guess we talked about this a couple episodes ago, is when, like, Reed's stretched his limit, he's, like, all bearded out, and he, like, has to consult Valeria, who lives with Doctor fucking Doom in Latveria, like... 
that's the Fantastic Four movie that I want to see. Like <laughs> the twelve-year-old girl telling Reed that he's not the smartest man in the world and he can't solve all the world's problems. Like that's <laughs> the one I want to see. Like please book that. But <laughs> right now, this one I'll watch it, but maybe not at midnight. Begrudgingly, <laughs> yeah. I'll go to a midnight. My nerd blood makes me. But... <laughs> You're like, I have to watch it as soon as possible. <laughs> I saw fucking Ghost Rider 2 at midnight. It would be You're a disservice disgusting. to the Marvel Universe You're the if worst. I did it. Yeah, I know. Dude, Stanley <laughs> should like build you like a small bobblehead statue in his I was going to say, just like a bronze statue in his front yard. <laughs> Jeez, that's some commitment, man. Ghost Rider 2 at midnight. Ugh. And dude, not, I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but it was in 3D with EDX fucking really? sound. It was a $22 ticket. I've lost so much respect for you in the last 48 seconds. Like, I can't even with I this. I feel like I've gained a lot of respect for you. Like, to have that kind of, like, willpower for them to tell you, like, it's going to cost you $22 to watch Ghost Rider fucking 2 in 3D. And you're like, yep, I'm doing that. <laughs> like, man, yeah, dude. Man. Oh. I did it. I fucking did it. Oh my god. I'm a little worried now. Like, you'll spend $22 on Ghost Rider 2. Like, what else is he capable of? <laughs> Dude, don't it's forget, fucking... Idris Elba's in that movie, so. That's true. There's, that's, we're just learning that there's some super dark recesses in your brain box, dude. Like, that's what we're up against right now. You just gotta understand yeah. that, like, you know, the comic book connection is literally, like, mainlining crack for Ryan. He's like, what? Did someone say comic books? Comic it really books? is. Like, Marvel can just do anything they want, and I'd be like, they'd be like, yo, we're putting out a big wheel movie, $18 a ticket. And I'd be like, done, here's my money, take it. I don't care, I'll watch that. Like, I just what? got the. <laughs> is, is Stanley make a? Does he make a cameo? Does he make a cameo? <laughs> I just got like a super great like mental image of Ryan like shredding a page of like Alpha Flight like number eight hundred and seven or something and just like snorting it up a straw. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Canadian batch. <laughs> I love I that, that fuck shit. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, speaking of things that were absolutely fantastic, in the month of March, uh, earlier this year, we got to see... um, Princess Leia? Yeah, Princess Leia, that's right. Uh, I was trying to see where they actually... uh, It was uh, Diamond Comics assembled like a pretty comprehensive list of the comparative sales for the comic book publishers like compared to last year and this year, and then the top 10 comic book singles for this month. Uh, for March, and uh, nine of the ten top spots were Marvel Comics, <laughs> and number one was Princess Leia number one, and number five was Princess Leia number two. Star Wars books take up not one, not two, but it looks like four of these <laughs> top ten slots up here, so... Let's have Guardians team up number one. Spider Gwen number two is up there. So I guess I should just go top to bottom. Uh, the number <laughs> one comic, I, I'm going through just hopping around. So number one comic was Princess Leia number one. The second best selling comic was Star Wars number three. Followed by Guardians team up one. Spider Gwen two. Princess Leia two. Amazing Spider-Man 16. Howard the Duck one. Darth mm-hmm. Vader three. Batman Arkham Knight. DC's Lone Showing at number 9, and number 10 was Amazing Spider-Man 16.1, which I believe was, like, the middle portion of the Spider-Verse, like, kicking that back off, kicking it off, or, like, the coming out of the end of the Spider-Verse event. March but, was probably coming out of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the end of it, because I think 16 was the one that they finished it, and then 16.1 was where we got all, like, the epilogue stuff 
with like everyone going back to their universe and stuff like that, I believe. Um, but Marvel sold 41% of the market share, followed by DC at 26, Image at 12, IDW at 5, Dark Horse at 3, Boom at 2.4, and then we had uh, Dynamite, Eagle Moss, Titan Comics, Viz Media, and other all ranking in uh, at under 2% individually. So I guess not a big surprise. I guess that top 10 is really demonstrative of our podcast. 90% Marvel <laughs> and much. 10% DC. All this is tells us is that we really shouldn't talk about DC. <laughs> or if we do have to, then the amount that we talk about them currently is just fine. Just fine. The uh, the thing that I actually found the the coolest out of all of these statistics, though... Spider-Gwen. Uh, uh, well, I love Spider-Gwen. But actually, in the graphic novels and trade paperbacks, we see... Uh, we see four different books from Image mm. Comics, and they're all trades of you know stuff that we really like, like Deadly Class, Birthright, Saga, and uh, Low, which we they all had like good showings from the trades. And I miss Marvel as well. Yeah, Miss Marvel's for... up there. It's a little yeah. bit more House Diffraction going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was um, I don't know. It, it was kind of like maybe kind of happy inside. I was like I was like yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know Princess Leia number one was the greatest. Like. Uh. <laughs> well, it just shows how deep that Star Wars fandom runs, man. Because yeah. Tuleya and Star Wars showed up on there, yeah. but also it shows how deep that Sadarsky love goes. Because mm. fucking Howard the Duck getting out there is pretty impressive. Yeah, Howard the fucking Duck. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a character who's like literally been a B-lister forever and catapulted to like the forefront of being popular because of a like fucking four-second cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. And you know what? Like, I think that's pretty much the best way for us to move into comics for the week. And the first comic that I want to talk about is none other than Howard the Duck number two, which, again, uh, is from Chip Zdarsky, uh, Joe Canones. And this one leaves off inside the collector's prison i guess it's like more like a planet um it's uh chip zadarsky zoe Canonis on pencils joe rivera on inks rico renzi on color who we just absolutely love for now until all eternity and uh, travis landham is doing the uh, lettering and god this book is just vibrant gorgeous hilarious <laughs> has Can some I very just... non-sequitur moments in there <laughs> Like, we obviously love Howard the Duck because we love Zdarsky and that whole team that you just talked about. But the thing that, like, if I hadn't, like, read this or knew who Chip Zdarsky was or anything like that, like, beforehand, I would have seen this cover and picked up this book and started loving it immediately just because of the quote on the front. Because it reminded me of Ryan and I thought it was hilarious. Yep. Because it says, just finished Howard the Duck number one and loved it. Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. And then the one directly under it says, who's Gerard Way? What the fuck is he doing on my cover? Howard the Duck. Yep. <laughs> like, I just love Zdarsky so much, it physically hurts me. <laughs> and you know, like, Zdarsky's got a hand in, like, what's going on with the art, too. Either that or he's just, like, teaching Joe Cornonis. Because in the very, like, the second panel, oh. that alien is in the prison. <laughs> with them and he's reading a book called 50 shades of gamma rays yeah <laughs> and the cover is two aliens holding hands with an atomic bomb mushroom cloud behind it uh, yeah it's this book is just so good and also- then when um when R- rocket lifts up his shirt and he says good god an actual treasure trail i like lost my shit <laughs> i did too 
<laughs> and the part that, the, like, the fact alone that it was shaved there by Drax. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that there's that, that, like, moment in the middle where he's like, ah, oh, but Drax spent so long doing that, like. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love this book, like, cover to cover, hands down. Like, on page five, there's this part where Rick, um, Rocket spits into the gatherer's face, and he has these compassionate, like, reptile henchmen. <laughs> because one of them is just like asking like they don't understand what's happening because he has like acid in his face from rockets like spit capsule and just says are you just sad i get sad (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh Oh, so sweet (laughs) i love it (laughs) also did you guys notice how everybody in this book refers to everything as sexy for everything like there's sexy guns sexy prisoners everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of my favorite i mean i guess we should know like it's chip sadarsky writing it right Right. So, um, there's also um, this thing in the book in this issue called nanolingos, which kind of basically, from my understanding, just make your computers total bros, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they just understand what you're saying and make it easier for you to do things, which is kind of awesome. And I wish that was a real invention because it would make my physical like nine to five job like way fucking easier. Oh God, I just end up talking about Call of Duty all day. I just want nanolingos. <laughs> I love when they fly back to Earth and the little thing, um, little caption at the top says, 15 hours later, I guess. Marvel's wiki doesn't really help you with interstellar time or travel time, so let's just stick with 15. Yeah. Also, when he does get back, then you see Spidey sleeping next to his vigil. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was there with Tara when he disappeared. It's so good. Oh, man. There's so much, like, Chip Zdarsky, like, all over this comic, and... Like, everyone on this team, like we said a million times, is just knocking this one out of the park. Even the, <laughs> even the like, little tiny comic that we get at the end with him in, in oh court my God. with the Heroes for Hire is so good. The lawyer uh, is reading a how-to-lawyer book and wearing a Spidey suit underneath his suit just because <laughs> he wants to make juries think he's a superhero. <laughs> and, he, and he's doing the, like, spider fingers the whole time? Like, oh, man. It's... And then the judge's ruling is that Howard has to have different signs that say, boo, 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 I'm a chicken who is also a private... <laughs> or, I'm sorry, bok, 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 I'm a chicken who is also a private investigator. <laughs> Also, it was drawn by Rob um, Guillory from Chew, who's just a fantastic artist, yeah. and I love having so him good. pop up in Marvel books because he did. He was on that Thor annual too with CM. Yeah. I think he did CM Punk story. Which yeah, is great. and he has such a great like kind of like cartoony like cheerful style, you know. And I think it really works good for the the story that they're in and everything. Yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, <laughs> I loved it. So good. Uh, I guess like a bit of a darker tone to the next book, and that's none other than uh, Kieran Gillen, Salvador LaRocca, and Edgar Delgado bringing us Darth Vader number four. And uh, while this book does have torture going on in, I think, two separate instances, Mm -hmm. uh, luckily for us, uh, 3-0 makes it uh, just nothing but politeness the whole time, whole way through. Uh, As uh, Vader, Dr. Afra. Uh, BT1 and Triple Zero all get into uh, Geonosis and eventually like get them ha- their, get their hands on some uh, robot creating equipment. I I honestly think this is my favorite issue of Vader today. And look, I mean they just continually get better, which is ridiculous because like there's got to be a ceiling somewhere, you know, like you, that's what you think. And then every issue you read, um, they just I don't know, they keep exceeding expectations. Vader like. Dude, he was so ham in this fucking issue. Like, 
it was like the the on page uh fucking 10 when vader is like when he jumps down to attack the like mm-hmm. what i can only explain as like alien droid queen yeah. um like that panel is gorgeous of just him like jumping down and then she's like have has the empire not taken enough from the you know, uh geo i don't know i don't know how to say the name Anderson's. thank you with your bombs and he just fucking cuts her in half and he's just like no like, <laughs> fucking badass like speaking of going ham i honestly thought the real mvp was dr afra because not only is she smart as fuck but she, when she thinks that he's gonna kill her because she's been as useful as she possibly can to him she requests that he puts his lightsaber through her fucking throat how metal is that i love <laughs> that i love that like that whole panel she is just talking to herself. Like, Vader doesn't even talk that whole page. And you can almost just feel, like, the tension, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Like, Dr. Aphra made a great showing. But, um, no, no, no. To me, the <laughs> definite superhero of this comic was... Uh, triple Zero. Triple Zero. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, uh. Dude, he made... He, like, he makes C-3PO look even more like a bitch now. <laughs> he... he <laughs> He tells the robot Geonosin people after BT1 burns them alive in their own language, ha ha ha, you are on fire and also dead. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? See, in my notes for this issue, all I wrote down was triple zero, more like Sassmaster 5000. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's a sassy bitch. I love it. It's like, yeah, it's 3PO turned up to sassy maximum. Like, oh my gosh. And I love when he's like, I have good news and bad news. And then when um, he tells him the good news and Vader's like, then dispose of him. And he's like, oh, then it's no more good news. He's already dead. (laughs) (laughs) So good. This book has just given us dark side characters, like dark side versions of like Chewbacca and C-3PO and R2-D2. And they're all fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I love, I love Dr. Aphra being like, oh, Solo. Triple Zero has some inconvenient theories about self-improvement for droids. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, Triple Zero? What's going on there? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then at the end, we uh, finally get to see Carsantin Black, um, the uh, Black Chewbacca, as uh, <laughs> Ryan has dubbed him, uh, as he has, like, secured his cargo or whatever, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know, it was just a great comic all the way through. Kieran Gillen, Savar Laraka... Edgar Delgado, just keep so doing good. you. <laughs> yeah, like, ha- have they said at all like how long these are gonna run? Are they just gonna run until we stop? Them? Don't jinx it. Knock on wood, right this Sorry. minute. <laughs> Sorry, guys. The one thing I mean we're sure of is that they're un- like they're not affected by fucking secret world or secret wars and battle world. Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. Yeah, that's good news. That's for sure. Uh, so you know, at least we can take some reprieve from the giant clusterfuck that's about to happen when everything ends uh but uh i guess not too much is ending in uh this week's spider woman number what is this six yep spider woman number six uh dennis hopeless is writing javier rodriguez is on pencils and color and alvaro lopez is doing the inks um this is like it's been a cool run for jessica like you know, back on her own, so to speak. And... Uh, I, I like Spider-Woman more in this comic than I've ever liked her in anything. And that includes Bendis' like, New Avengers relaunch, which is hard to, it's hard to top Bendis. Yeah, you know, I, I like, I, I love 
that we get to take a peek at her, like, talking with, like, these, like, kind of low-rent villains and stuff. What was the name of the dude who's got, like, he's got, like, the top in his... The porcupine? No, he has like the the spinning thing like in his fucking chest. It's oh, uh, um, it's it's on the last page when they're prepping for the next issue. Senor Suerte. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. And she finds him at like, at like a a, a Hispanic like chicken joint in the fucking middle of the Bronx. Like, <laughs> what the fuck. I love when the porcupine's making fun of her for eating cereal in a cup. And then, like, for three panels, she just, like, is ranting in her own head about how it's not a big deal to not own bowls. <laughs> and it makes it more convenient to eat cereal out of a cup. Also, Big Wheel shows up. I know I just mentioned him earlier. Yeah, you Big did. Wheel shows up, and he is stealing alpacas. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and I really like um, how Hopeless is kind of using Porcupine as, like, he's kind of like Grizzly in Ant-Man's comic. Like, he's, like, this kind of... Uh, I don't know, comedic support. And then I really like Ben Urich's like supporting role too. Yeah. I'm glad that Ben Urich hasn't been like the super ultra creeper that he was at the end of the last issue, like looking all over her in the dark. That was like, yeah, that was weird. That was the weirdest panel ever. I was like, what the fuck is going on with Ben Urich right now? <laughs> um, but we also get a look at, uh, we also get a look at Porcupine in a Jessica Drew costume, which is know, <laughs> fucking hilarious. Just because he puts a wig on. <laughs> but his beard's still there. <laughs> but his beard's still there. And then also the kangaroo shows up, which is just always fun to mention because he's yep. such a garbage villain. <laughs> it's just it is such a wacky fucking comic, but also <laughs> wonderful. Greg Hopeless, uh or Dennis Hopeless, sorry. Dennis Hopeless has really um uh kind of found a nice balance here when it comes to like having some comedic relief and still having Jessica handle business. Um and some of the art is is uh, is pretty great. There's some stuff that I'm not as impressed with, but uh, it's nice always to see you know the the like low rent villains and stuff show up. So I mean, shit, I can't even remember the last time I saw Kangaroo in a comic. Uh, like fucking never, because who knows like about him? Who's who's doing the art? Uh, on this one, I want to say it's Javier Rodriguez. Yeah, it's Javier oh, okay. Rodriguez. And he does the colors, too. Okay. Yeah. And Alvaro Lopez is doing the inks. So the comic does look really kind of like... It really kind of does pop, so maybe that's some of them splitting the load there. But uh, I know you mentioned Grizzly, and we would be remiss to not mention possibly the greatest cover of the week, uh, oh. which comes from the hands... <laughs> of Ant-Man issue number four. Mark Brooks is the cover artist on this one. Uh, Nick Spencer does the writing, Ramon Rosanis on the art, and Jordan Boyd on the color. And it shows a Miami Vice-styled Ant-Man and Grizzly hanging out by a fucking Ferrari. I want that cover, like, blown up and put on my wall. It's just such a fucking hilarious cover. Like, I love that Ant-Man just has his helmet on with the rolled-up laser. And I love that Grizzly has his suit on underneath his suit. <laughs> and and they went as far yes, and they went as far to show that Ant Man's not wearing socks. Like that's the attention <laughs> to detail that was put into this cover. It's so Just good. so it's so much neon goodness. Uh-huh. Th- this is another comic. I mean, Nick Spencer is just Nick Spencer knows how to handle like the B list character. I mean, he's doing 
things with these characters that people have like wanted to do forever i feel like like just like rebooting them in a way that makes them so much more entertaining and like interesting um because we see writers all the time like use like b and c listers and as kind of like background characters or like cameos and it's funny to do but nick spencer as he showed with like superior foes and he's showing with ant-man like adds voice to the character so you actually like understand them and start to like empathize with them yeah i I feel like like i don't know if i would call it like the uh the sad like sad character but i think empathy is the right one like nick spencer he writes that empathetic like almost like lovable loser kind of sometimes yep you know totally so well and i feel like part of what makes this comic so great is that to some degree like scott lang kind of is that same lovable loser in this in the uh, marvel universe but we finally get to see you know uh I love there's like the sequence where he's getting like shot at by the like the guards. The lackeys. Yeah, and he and, and like the the way that um Ramon Rosanas decides to like show him like shrinking to get away from the bullets, like across like the four panels was just so good. Uh and then growing back to size. To yeah, to like them. beat up the yeah. dudes in the next couple panels is just like I don't know. It was like for a character like Ant Man that like sometimes I have a hard time following his, like, action when it's not an actual, like, motion comic, you know, like, or animated or anything like that. Like, they do such a good job in these four issues of really, like, showing a kinetic motion to him, like, growing and shrinking. And, like, I feel like he really uses the, like, you know, his abilities to the best of um, to the best that's available for him, so. Yeah, and pages just, pages... 14 through 18 or pages 14 through 19 are just comedic gold we get so they get this new guy the machine smith and he so first of all uh grizzly starts complaining about how he's wearing a bear suit in miami and then ant-man is trying to sell them all on the van and he says it's the ant van it's great for branding um so that entire sequence is great and then we get to see crossfire in like the security room with his boots off like basically skyping with his girlfriend and just everything that happens in those like five panels is hilarious because she calls him a cheap third rate bullseye knockoff yeah and he says bull does bullseye have a robotic ear and then he also <laughs> says i fought hawkeye a bunch of times <laughs> <laughs> So all of that. And then the last part I really just loved um, was when Scott, um, after he beats up all the guards, he, like, feels bad for them because they don't know what they're doing. And he says, don't worry, guys. I'll find you on LinkedIn. You deserve way better. <laughs> so oh, just, just a very well-written, just smart comic. And, I mean, I don't expect anything less from Nick Spencer at this point. Yeah. And it looks like Cassie has been used to revive... Or at least a sample of her blood or something has been used to revive Darren Cross. Yeah, we'll see how he uses this villain. He's kind of a weird, yeah. weird villain. We talked about that last time that he's like super out of left field. So Yeah, like very obscure. So we'll see what Nick Spencer's plans are, although I'm sure they're great. And I would love to see Ant-Man, because he hires Machine Smith. I would love to see Ant-Man just keep hiring these like um, villains that are trying to reform. I think that's like a really good route to go with this comic. Yeah, I- and I I don't know if it's just because you know we, like we said he had such a great run on super, uh, on superior foes but yeah I'd love to I'd love to see a similar thing that'd be so good if we just like slowly accumulated more and more like B list super villains trying to go straight 
that's what you have to do with a comic like that is like when you don't have a strong supporting cast, you got to build one. And so Nick Spencer is just using all these characters to his advantage like that he can. So, but we'll see what battle worlds does to this. Yeah. That's, uh, that is the other thing is that this is another one of those comics that uh, battle world is going to have a bit of an impact uh, on it moving, moving forward. So uh, let's see, but moving forward, we finally got issue number two of all new Hawkeye. Um, this one came from, uh, it's Frank Lemire, I believe did the writing. Yeah. Frank Lemire. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Gabriel Perez and Ian Herring. There you go. Ramon Perez, Ian Herring with Ramon Perez also doing a bit of the color. And, uh, this one picks up right where we left off with, uh, Barney and Clint in a bit of a, uh, like a flashback kind of moment. Uh, yeah, I, it's... You know, we talked about it a little bit last time. It's really hard to pick up a comic that was being done by Fraction. Um, and I think Lumiere is doing a good job. I think the um, back and forth is helping a lot with that. Like seeing, I mean, I know we've had Hawkeye's like origins story told a few times, but I feel this is probably definitely like the deepest we've ever got into it. And the switching back and forth between the watercolors and the, um, than the more like modern uh, Hawkeye tone that we were used to seeing in the Fraction AHA book, mm-hmm. uh, I think really just helps move the story along. Like, I don't know. It just, there's no disconnect. I never feel like, even though they're completely different art styles, like I don't feel like I'm disconnected from the comic. Like I understand that it's a flashback and it's directly corresponding with like what Hawkeye's dealing with now. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot more of like the, it's, it almost feels like, it, and kind of they use it narratively when he's like getting his ass kicked that he's having these, like uh, these like flashbacks, and I feel like it's more like a blurry memory, but like the tone and the writing is still really consistent, you know, between the two parts of the comic. So, I mean, part of me wishes we could just stay in the fraction arts, fraction esque, or not fraction esque, guys, aha esque art style forever, just because I love that like that like bold iconic look that like uh clint and kate have but i don't know i've really been enjoying this comic i really like um the red like the in the watercolor sequences yeah like when he's talking to swordsman um, Swordsman is fighting the like foster dad i guess and Mm -hmm. the red that shows up when he's like punching him when kicking him and you can tell it's not like really blood but it's more supposed to be like physical force yeah um and just like also showing like negative energy yeah it's really well placed so i i I did really like that yeah and i think it did a it did a great job throughout both parts of like that same kind of like guiding of the eye through the panels you know Mm -hmm. i really like the black and white when hawkeye can't hear um, and then also just um, the quips from Kate and Hawkeye are still there, which is appreciated because um, with the tone that Fraction set, I think that you have to continue with that. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it like I said, it's I don't know if I can compare it to Fraction's book, but I also just think it's like it's different than Fraction's. Book. And I think it's picked up a, a really faithful adaptation of Clint. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like they've done a really good job with picking up that same kind of Clint Barton character that we had, you know, fallen in love with so long ago. And uh, let's see. Oh, next up we have, this one is actually issue 250 or 45, depending on how you want to number your comics of choice. Uh, And that would be uh, the death of Deadpool. Uh, As 
This one is like 80 something pages long. Like, yeah, a little bit less than 80, pa- a little bit more than 80 pages long, excuse me. It's like six or seven different variant covers, and we get to see, uh, you know, the end of the Merc with the Mouth. Um, wasn't, I, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the book. Uh, I think. I think Deadpool's oversaturated right now, mm-hmm. and I, like as an avid comic book reader, it's really hard to like stay in love with him with as much as he's in everything. I mean, he's in a Hulk book this week too, which it was actually. I mean, his appearance in the Hulk was pretty funny because he makes a reference to um, "can't die in this book, have to do that in my own." Uh, <laughs> so that was pretty funny, but uh, like it's just. I feel like Deadpool's a really hard character to consistently write because there's only so much you can do with him before, like, the jokes played out. Yep. And uh, by, like, the end of this issue, I was just kind of just over Deadpool. I don't know. It's kind of like five years ago when Wolverine was in fucking everything. (laughs) Like, as much as I love Wolverine, like, it's he can only do so much, like, you can only ask him to do so much badass stuff before you get kind of bored of it. Right. There's a point of diminishing returns with all of these. It's, yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit, it is a little bit too much, but... Yeah. My favorite part of Deadpool was just all the variant covers, including the Howard the Duck one. Yep, there. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. Well, they. I think they. that was, like, the running theme this month was the Howard the Duck covers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did really like one of the backstories, because there were... A number I like of the them. one with the dog, where they give the dog Deadpool's healing ability, and he's jerk Deadpool hanging out in the <laughs> shield house. Sorry. <laughs> where the one featuring his wife, um, Shikla's catching up by Mike Drucker and JJ mm-hmm. Kirby as the artist. Um, there's a panel in there that I would, oh, so he is like catching her up on pop culture and he takes her to like a trivia game night at a bar. But the best part is when he's like feeding her like all the pop culture, he like makes her watch all this TV and it shows that she's watching star Wars. And so there's a panel that says she learned about our joy. And it says the force will always be with you, like coming from the TV and then our anger. And it's the dialogue coming from the TV is it's a trap. <laughs> and then the next one says our forgotten non-canon holiday specials in the, the little <laughs> like, uh, box from the tv is saying this is chewy's family they don't talk enjoy the next 90 minutes <laughs> uh, which is just a great callback to the star wars holiday special that no one but talks the about. absolute best part of that story is in the very next page when she kicks down the door and says i'm about to death star the bathroom <laughs> uh, so good so oh man and did you see how he dies yeah. Yeah, uh, the like, in, basically the incursion occurs and the incursion occurs and he so. uh, and he dies with all of Earth, which is kind of a cop out. Like yeah. I don't know, I was so sure that they were gonna come up with like something like you know like we had said maybe like death would fall out of love with him and that's how he has to like finally die. Um, what a lot of people were saying like maybe he metaphorically dies, like he becomes oh. like a new like Deadpool, and no, they were just like. I mean, I like the line they use. He's like, oh, the incursion's actually happening? I thought that was just some Avengers stuff, um, yeah, which I like, thought was clever. But he's like, he's like, yeah, they didn't figure that out? Oh, shit, or something like that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but overall, it's just like, oh, what a cop-out. Just the incursion happens. And yeah. like to me, that's like 
a true show that Marvel is just being like, what? Like, because we were talking last week with Iron Fist, like Danny Rand dying, like Marvel's just kind of be like, we can do whatever we want because with the incursion happening, we're going to rewrite whatever we want to do. Like, don't worry, guys. The lifeboat's coming just a couple weeks away. Save all these stories that we've just set out to fucking drift. It's in bad. Anyways, uh, but this week we had a uh, brand new number one. Uh, and this one comes at the hands of uh, Marguerite Brennett, Alex Sanchez, and Esther Sands on uh, uh, writing, art, and color, respectively. And uh, this one is inspired by uh, uh, James Patterson's Maximum Ride. It's called Max Ride First Flight. And uh, it's actually, it, uh, this was, Kels, I think you had mentioned this to us like last week or something yeah. to keep an eye out for it. Um, I, turned out really good, yes. I think. I think so. Like, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I was just thought it was, like, another number one. So I was like, well, okay. Like, I've never heard of the franchise before. I only know James Patterson as, like, a name. Like, I don't read any of his stuff because I'm not, like, an old man. But um, James Patterson, the tree killer? That's what I call him because <laughs> he just wastes a bunch of paper. So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that either. So I had not known him about that. I was like, I think that's like a writer. And so I just checked it out. But like the art is fucking beautiful. Like that's like the first takeaway I took from all this. Like first of all, the cover, I was like uh, into it. Except for the actual like title text looks dumb as fuck. But like the actual art that goes into it is beautiful. Like every single page, every single panel. Um, who is on it? I know because you Can't just you tell, said like, it. Like Max rides, gotta go fast. That's why it's got those like little little wings <laughs> on the top left. Like I understand what they're getting at. It was just a terrible life choice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like all of these pages are so beautiful. Like Alex Sanchez is literally just like doing the Lord's work here. Like it is perfect. Um, and the story itself is actually really good too. Like which I wasn't expecting at all. It's written by Marguerite Bennett, and she is just nailing it. Like it's basically um, for anybody who hasn't like picked it up or anything like that. It's basically like a group of like five or six, I think six total, um, including Max, um, kids who were like experimented on in this school. All this kind of stuff. They got some kind of powers. Everything's kind of like um, what's what I'm looking for right now. Uh, it's like all kind of like vague. Yeah, yeah vague. it's super vague right now. Um, but yeah, so because they all like bonded together at that place where everything was terrible for them, they kind of like adopted themselves to be a family of orphans almost. And so they all like live together now, away from there, and they all take care of it uh, or take care of each other. And it's actually like has some really funny parts, which I wasn't expecting at all. I thought this was just being like a super serious one. Um, but it's also just so good. Like, there's a page where, like, all these kids have wings, spoiler alert, and they can all fly. And so, um, on page 19, like, they get, like, um, busted in by one of the old security guards from their quote-unquote school, which is what they call, like, the facility that they were, like, experimented on. Um, the bad guys are called erasers for some reason that has yet to be displayed. Um, now but... I just think they're all Arnold Schwarzenegger, so it's going to be with me forever. Um, but they basically look like these giant werewolves. Um, so I don't understand the necessity of that just yet, but it's fine. But um, on page 19, they get into a fight with some of them. And um, it's pretty great. Where is the one line I'm looking for? Oh, no, just kidding. Nah, page, I just took notes, so I'm just like referring back. But on page 19, like, uh, the main chick, Max, she gets into a fight with some street kids. 
Um, and then her one line that just like made me like laugh out loud, like in the middle of a Starbucks, was, "Oh snap! Regular humans are delicate." Ew. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's kind of weird. I was not expecting it. There's literally, I don't think there's anything quite like it that's out right now as far as story goes. But, I think it's uh, a it's a young adult novel series. Is it? I'm pretty sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fucking great. And obviously I'm behind any book that has all the redheads all the time. So I'm into it, but like, it's just really good so far. So I'm pretty surprised by how pleased with it I was. But yeah, so I'll keep an eye out and see if it keeps going well. But yeah, this is a pretty A plus debut in my book. So, yep. It was definitely, um, like you said, Kelsey, it was like kind of a pleasant surprise to see it do so well. So, um, I'll be I'll be checking in for the next one at least to see uh, to see how it ends up turning out. Mm-hmm. It's always good when like I feel like that's happening a lot more now. Like we're seeing the Gem and the Holograms comic, and then I know Bill and Ted has a comic book right now, Galaxy Quest, and then obviously um, you know Maximum Ride. So it's always good to see. Like I I feel like we get to see the transition from comic to the screen so much that it's nice when we can see like a a novel or a movie move its way into comics and still be good yeah and i think that's always really cool too because you have people who like the original franchise and then they get into comics rather than the other way around because they want to check it out like one of the reasons why i like um not like when i first started reading comics because i was like back when i was a kid with x-men but the thing that kind of like reawakened it for me which is we re- re- reawakened i don't it's I'm so yeah, reawakened yeah. <laughs> so tired i'm sorry um was this weird like shitty series i used to read called a needed like vampire hunter like back in high school all the girls who i hung out with like in the goth area of the high school were super into it because this is the girl who got to like slay or like reanimate corpses to talk to their families and like settle like court disputes and she'll Got to, like, fuck a bunch of vampires and shapeshifters and stuff like that. Like, it was, like, the OG Twilight, but not terrible. Well, that, <laughs> I, I suppose that part's subjective, but, like... <laughs> Less degrees of terrible. <laughs> right, yeah. I thought I thought it was amusing, for the most part. But, um, they turned that into an actual, like, comic that was ongoing in, like, 2000, like, seven, <laughs> six or seven or something. And I was like, what the fuck? And once I found it, then I got deeper and deeper into comics again, which is what brought me to where we are today. So I love when that kind of thing happens. I think it's rad. So I enjoy this a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good news. Um, thinking about, speaking of other things that Kelsey enjoys a lot. <laughs> well, this is like the most, the most appropriate comic to transition to. We had uh, chapter 27 <laughs> of Fiona yeah. Staples and Brian K. Vaughn's saga and uh i will say that this was the first comic that i pulled up on my break at work today and someone was like hey what comic are you reading and if you read the first uh six panels of this comic you'll see that i was very i was like oh yeah i'm reading this comic called saga that's totally not what you think it is um uh but it's uh absolutely wonderful we get i think this is like the most talking from goose in a comic so far which uh, makes it the best saga issue of all time of course and uh (laughs) we get a great look at uh kind of marco in his past and when it comes to like his pops and the trip i guess that he has i guess that's what the look is that we're getting is like him tripping out on on, bad fadeaway on the fadeaway yeah 
Um, him and Yuna both, but Yuna is a little bit more resistant to it as she <laughs> has had more experience with. Because she's like a mad dope fiend going yeah. on. As she has more experience with recreational drugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just love that in this entire thing, when Goose is just being adorable, but still like putting his foot down and like actually standing up for himself and being a total little badass, he's still wearing his tiny little pajamas with the butt pocket. Like, I can't. <laughs> the panel and his face are on page 16 I think um, it's between him and Prince Robot <laughs> and um, they're trying to find or he's, he's trying to make him find a way to um, like revive Marco and like help him get out of this mm-hmm. and they just they figure out that the best way to do it is with robot blood because it's kind of like a, a medic and so <laughs> you see Goose like handing this holding this giant fucking like axe says huh you don't say (laughs) his face there is so good like staples just keep doing what you're doing because you are fucking slaying it every month girl like I just never want anything to happen to you you're the most precious angel we've ever been given please keep drawing this tiny anthropomorphic animal that we love so much I think Fiona Staples is like rocketing towards the top of my best comic book artist ever list. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, I mean, uh, Kelsey tagged me in a Instagram picture the other day of her drawing Cassidy from, uh, yes. Yes, from Preacher. Mm-hmm. I fucking lost my mind. That was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of the best at everything. Um, especially like I was, when I picked up like Saga, I don't buy a whole lot of things on New Comic Book Day just because I don't get paid until Friday. So <laughs> I'm a broke college kid, so I have to kind of budget for the first couple of days. Uh, but on Wednesdays, I always make it a point to go get Saga once it comes out at my local shop. And the girl at the counter, like, she was, like, an older lady. And you could tell she wasn't, like, super knowledgeable about, like, stuff because um, she kept, like, asking, like, the other people who are working like a bunch of questions every time somebody asks her a question but when i brought up saga she's like oh my god this is amazing i'm like yes <laughs> and then i was like i just love fiona staples art so much she's like did you know she's working on archie after life i'm like oh my god <laughs> like this broad literally would not have known about something as rad and ridiculous as archie after life like re-emerging if it wasn't for staples involvement so i feel like that alone is enough to bring people in which is awesome yeah i I mean, just a, like, character design as it is, like... Oh, yes. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are really just knocking out of the park. Like, just the, the robot people as a race is um, probably one of my favorite things in comics right I now. I know, dude. Like, I was thinking about this entire time when I was reading it. Like, every time they show Prince Robot, like, I hate him because he's such a prick, but I love him. And I just, like... I'm, like, weirdly, like, attracted to this fictional character with a robot face, like, or with a TV face. Like, I don't understand it, but... <laughs> He's... Maybe it's his tiny boxers. I'm partial to those. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's showing all that upper thigh area. I just I love it. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, but any book where it starts with like the first six pages are just a like, pregnant lady like telling her you to like spank her fat ass. Like, come on, <laughs> so good, worth every second of it. And I then you get that... to. The best part is it shows you a lot about it shows you a lot about the relationship between the two of them. It shows you a lot about Marco, a lot about Alana, and like and even partway through when it starts to get like kind of crazy, you're like, oh shit, someone's hallucinating here. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like it's, it's it's good. 
Yeah, it's pretty fucking great the entire way through because a lot of the times we do focus on Alana and Hazel, it feels like. This is like a super deep introspective on Marco, which I thought was super interesting. And you got to see a bunch of parts of his past. And I love all the panels where they speak in his language. I love it because it just says so much more if you can't read it and you have to just tell by what you're looking at. Like, it's just so good the whole fucking time. And then it just kind of like, I don't know, like the past couple of issues, like I love Saga more than any other book. I'm going to go ahead and say, Um, but every time, like when it just focuses on them being like apart now because they're passive, all split up and everything like that, then it kind of like feels like they're losing focus a little bit of what the arc is supposed to be. But at the end of this, you see like Marker kind of just like snap back into it. And he's like, no, I'm going to go fucking find my family. Fuck this. But first he's going to go find the guy who separated them, which is the will. So that just means we get more of my baby back. So I'm excited. <laughs> and I think Gwendolyn shows up in like three panels of the comic for just a yeah. little bit there, right in the middle. And they're all um, making out. Yeah. Getting hot <laughs> and heavy. Good for them. Uh, so yeah, so... We get to we get to see a little bit more. Unfortunately, we also learned that we have to wait until May thirteenth to get the next issue of Saga, uh, chapter twenty eight, uh, which is you know sad, but perfection takes time, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, it can't be instantaneous. But you should just put Saga on Netflix. <laughs> oh, oh God! What if you had to? But think about it like this: What if you couldn't read like issue twenty? to 27 until they were all done. You had to oh my God. wait the extra, like, six months or whatever. Weird. It'd be like we'd have to wait for book six for Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think you confused months with decades with that I know. Uh, time <laughs> That's what I'm there. saying. Like, you and I are just really used to waiting for things we love anyway, so what's one more, really? <laughs> yeah. Someone brought that up to me the other day. They were like, how can you read the books and, like, just wait. And I was like, well, I don't really have a choice. Like, yeah, well, he's working on it. <laughs> it doesn't exist yet. There's no extra. I was like, I was like, trust me, I've read the other writing from crazy people on the internet about Game of Thrones, okay? Like, it's not as good. <laughs> yeah, it's not like there's just like... What happened? Huh? Uh, sorry, folks, if there was a little bit of a, a buzz there and whatever happened, but... Uh, the internet. It's like, hey, stop talking about Game of Thrones. Skype was like, stop, that's not a comic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> Jeez, all right. There's graphic novels, okay, for yeah. uh, the Dunkin' Where there's X a stories. lot of sex, and Ned Stark is super buff. <laughs> Speaking of uh, super buff dudes in uh, comics, yeah, uh, yes. we can get to a debut of a number one uh, that I think I could only describe as a combination of Hokuto no Ken and uh, Dragon Ball Z turned up to like 37, and that is... Uh, the Legacy of Luther Strode from Justin Jordan, Tradmore, and Felipe Sobrero. Dear God, this is like one of the most like violent, gorgeous, amazing, kinetic books that I've read in a long time. And I know this is something that, Ryan, you were just super excited about. I think when we brought up Tradmore um, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Secret Avengers comic, maybe? Yeah, he does all the covers. Yeah. And he launched, um, when they did their Ghostwriter re- um, relaunch, he actually was the artist for that book, and he left... When Justin Jordan told him he wanted to do a final chapter of the Luther Strode saga, um, so he actually left the book to work back, like to go back to Luther Strode. Um, if you guys haven't read *The Strange Talent of Luther Strode* or *The Legend of Luther Strode*, you can find them in um, trade, and you should go back and read them because it tells the story of Luther. Uh, I think it launched probably four, four or five years back now. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's just. 
one of the most fun, most beautiful, violent, brutal comics that has ever existed. And it, I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but it's just so comic book in nature. I mean, the entire premise is he found the ad, like a a satire of the old Atlas, like workout ads in the back of a comic. And he sent it in for it and it actually worked. And it just turned him into this like hulking monster. And then throughout the series, he has like learned to control his powers and he's trained extensively. So he's just like a major badass now. Um, but it's just continually one of my favorite comics. And uh, I'm really excited that they're doing like, I'm pretty sure they said like this one's going to close it out. Um, so I'm just I'm really excited to get another Luther Strode comic. Like I love this comic so much. Image is all like character or creator owned. Um, but I actually bought T-shirts like that they made because uh, they own all the rights to it. And I scoured the internet and um, found T-shirts that they made and actually like bought them. And every time I wear it, everyone's just like, "What is that?" I'm like, "God damn it! Go read this fucking comic book." Um, but it's just such. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I love everything about it. It's so action-packed and like like you said Andy, just like it's so fluid and kinetic and and hyper-violent and just everything like he throws her into a window at one point and the window just turns into a wave of glass that's like shattering over her. I I can't say enough good things about this book. It's easily like one of my favorites from Image and I think it is very very underrated. Yeah, no, I I mean, I definitely agree. The thing you mentioned it being like kind of like comic book style, like I almost feel like sometimes like the way that like characters like stretch and contort their body and stuff is like almost like a mixture of like Looney Tunes and like Kung Fu Hustle. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of like goofy, (laughs) but like vicious at the same time. And the comic is just like bloody to the maximum. And I really like this. I mean, it's the first time we've kind of got any sort of backstory into like what might be happening here, but the entire thing with Samson and Delilah uh, was really cool. And that first, that it's the second and third page and it's a, it's a two page slash. And it literally just shows shows Samson has killed probably like a hundred thousand people. So it's just awesome. Yeah, and he's like he's he's just like a like a whirling dervish of death, and then it's just like in the middle at the bottom of the panel, he's just like standing in the middle of like bodies and blood. Um, I'm sorry, can that be the episode title? The yes, whirling dervish of death. Absolutely. Whirling dervish of death. Oh my god, so good. Uh, but yeah, so if you guys um, are interested. Pick up the legacy of Luther Strode. Um, I don't know how long we're gonna have to wait for the next one, um, but it'll probably, well, it'll definitely be worth the wait if it's as good as this as this one was. Uh, moving on from a badass dude to a group of probably the most badass ladies in uh, the universe, uh, Curtis Weeby and Stefan Cedric uh, have Rat Queens number ten coming out this week. And we get, again, some awesome character development for a couple of the ladies. We get to kind of finally get to see what's going on um, with Garrick and this and this mask and how he's, like, communicating with the... What is it? The god's name? I don't know. He looks like Cthulhu. Yeah, it's totally not Cthulhu. Um, <laughs> I think that's his name. Totally not Cthulhu. Yep, seems right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but uh, But, yeah, it's just like... So ridiculous. I mean, again, the art, Stephen Cedric is doing such a great job. I think my favorite panel is like the, maybe like like fifth or sixth page. 
and the fucking there's like a mage like casting a spell and yep. Braga just like just like takes her head off like <laughs> no questions. Uh, That's the so best good. part. And then she looks down at him and she goes, "Books on a battlefield, fucking rope mages." <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite page in the entire book. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Braga continues to become closer and closer to being my favorite rat queen. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Betty's too too perfect so yeah. I'm not great with their names Betty's the, re- the little one who's the redhead uh, <laughs> terrible names as usual give me a second I'll pull it up I honestly she, she like goes up and kisses Dave and yeah. she's like uh, lots of time for that later and she goes I want it now Oh, it's like this crazy intense moment. Like Dave has all these fucking like trees killing soldiers, and they're running to go save um, fucking what's his face? Uh, God damn it! I don't know their names. Uh, Sawyer. Sawyer. They're going to save Sawyer, and um, it's all crazy. And then they manage to bring that like little bit of levity into it, which is what makes Rat Queen such a like such a fun read. Yeah. No. It. It definitely. God. It just. It handles like all the different characters like so well with. Oh. Um, okay. Sorry, the redhead is Violet. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Hipster Dwarven Warrior Violet. Oh, what a surprise. That, uh, that's Ryan's favorite <laughs> Shut character. up. Shut up. I knew it. As soon as you said hipster, I was like, oh, how's this relating back to me? Oh, yeah, well, you've made those life choices. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so it's just, a. I mean, we get a nice chunk of development for each of the different rat queens. And, I don't know, it's just like... I, I'm never disappointed. I haven't been in the last 10 issues of these things. The best part is that the creative team took a hit with whatever jerk off leaving. And so it's always like scary when you have to continue your book and just throw in a new artist. And we see a lot of the times like like we were just talking about how all new Ghost Rider had to face that challenge. And like, honestly, I could tell the difference. And I didn't like the book as much after mm-hmm. um, Trad Moore left. Um, but Sejic has... I think it's better. I do too. Yeah. I just I think it's so much better than it was before. Like and I'm not saying I didn't like it before. I always thought it was good, but um like I really just think that like he took it to another level. Yeah, I mean the 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 thing is is like I think in that first issue we were like, man, he's like emulating the style so well, but he's definitely made it a style all his own at this mm-hmm. point and uh, it's very good. This is one of those weeks where we're just like, damn, image. Seriously? <laughs> This yeah. much good shit right now. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks that there's just so much good comics to read, but at the same time, it's amazing and wonderful. So, I would love to just get more Rat Queens, but I don't need. We don't even have a date for the next one, but we do have like Betty sitting in a statue with like a flower wreath in her hair and what looks like a tie dye T shirt on <laughs> of some kind. A statue looks like it's wearing lipstick. <laughs> yep, it does look like it. So I don't and know Violet has a beard, perfect for Ryan. I love it. <laughs> she shaved her Whatever, beard, guys. you know, because she's a hipster. <laughs> it's like reverse of. Action. It's not like I'm wearing like a retro Mighty Duck snapback right now or anything. Uh, stop <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah, so One of my friends like, the other day was like, "It looks like the '90s threw up on you." I was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> I'm surprised we were like, thank you, I'm proud of it. Uh, but speaking of things that we're wonderfully and terribly proud and in love with, 
this week we had issue number four of the masterpiece that is uh, Matt Fraction and Christian Ward in uh, Odyssey. Yes. And uh, we get to finally see Odyssea and her crew take some revenge on the Cyclops. And we get some really awesome fucking art of like space travel and Poseidon and Zeus fighting. This is page six, because um, I'm still not reading the comic, but I look at it because Christian Ward is just a fucking, he's the best. Um, I'm waiting till it's like a novel, like graphic. I just want to read up from start to finish and see what I take away from it. Um, but page six, when the Cyclops is like drinking in, in his in his or her cave or whatever. Sure. That was probably one of my favorite panels. Just like the, the colors like going around, around like the Cyclops and the blood just gushing down her body. Um, I don't know. I just, it's such a violent like looking creature. And then the next page when it's just throwing up a bunch of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, oh God. It, and then it, page 16, too, sorry, Andy, um, when the Cyclops is, like, screaming into the sky. Yeah. It's just a fucking brilliant one page. Pleading with Poseidon and Zeus to, to help or whatever. Yeah, I mean, God, I, I gotta say, there's so many, like, I, I feel like every other page that I, that I, like, flip through, I've got, like, at least one part of the art that just, like, continually wows the fuck out of me, like... Uh, like the it, the top of page ten when Odyssea is like standing above the eye with like the fucking makeshift spear like swung Ugh. across her shoulder. I'm just like, handle that business, girl. <laughs> like Jesus, motherfucking get it. Yeah, <laughs> like God, Odyssea is so much better than Odysseus could ever be. Um, Who is that on the last page? Is it supposed to be Cersei, like male version of Cersei? Uh. I haven't read the Odyssey in a while. I can't remember who shows up after the Cyclops. I think they... I think it's Aeolus. I don't know who that is. I don't think it's Cersei yet, because in the Odyssey, do they... They just go to her island. Like, she doesn't have a ship? Yeah, no. I think that's whoever... Oh, yeah, they just go to the island. I think that's whoever the Queen of the Nymphs would be. Um, Yeah, it's Aeolus. Oh, okay. It is Aeolus. Okay. Okay. Um, But, yeah. Uh, But they turned it into a dude named Aeolia? Is that a dude? I can't tell. It's, it's Aeolus, but yeah, yeah, it's it's the same name, but they just gender swapped it because fucking Greek and Roman gods are hilarious. Oh. Um, uh, but yeah, they the other cool thing about this one is that like right after the book ends, in as image continues in the back of pages of these books, um, there's like a two page essay written by Danny Coleman, who's a classicist, mm-hmm. um, about reading Homeric verse and getting the most out of Greek poetry, which. Ooh, just gives me like a little bit of butterflies <laughs> in my stomach. Oh, uh, God, uh, can you make that into a soundbite for me so I can make it my ringtone? Just your ooh thing that you just did. Yeah, definitely. I hope that's the noise you make when you climax. <laughs> I also hope that I didn't think about it, but I hope so. No, not always. <laughs> not always, but sometimes. <laughs> Uh, speaking of things that end in Max, uh, we had one more comic <laughs> for this week that we wanted to talk about, and that would be none other than Kaiju Max, which uh, wow. I, I believe such a stretch. Flawless yeah, week. you know, uh, there was uh, like four letters that were the same at the end of that <laughs> sentence. Wait, before um, we move to Kaiju Max, Max yes, absolutely. Um, I want to touch on Descender real quick. Uh, oh, yes. 
Yeah, issue two of Descender came out. Um, it's another image comic, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Yoon. If I mean, Dustin Yoon, Yoon is just one of the most talented artists in comics right now. Um, and this comic had such an emotional wallop, like it fucking tugged at my heartstrings. Yeah. Hella. And for that to happen in a comic is hard to do. Yeah. What? Yeah, I'm from NorCal. Leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to like do that. It, it. I mean, I'm a pretty emotional person. Like I cry in movies and I've cried in a couple books, but like in a comic, it's it takes a lot to get me like emotional on either side of the spectrum. I guess no, I get mad a lot. So um, to get me sad, it takes a lot of talent. And Jeff Lumiere and Dustin Yoon, like. They did it. It's such a like touching and sad comic, and I just love where it's going and the story that they built with uh, Tim in this issue. Yeah, like I, I, I stupidly like I, I skipped over it because we had such a great like segue into the legacy of Luther Strode when we were talking. Um, <laughs> was but it a yeah, great segue? It, I mean, it really was. We were talking about muscle bound men, and yeah, no, it's, like that was a great way to true. Get that was probably one of the better segues. Yeah. yeah, trust me, I know about the bad ones. Uh, you know, like the last three letters of a word being similar. Um, but uh, at any rate, I thought that like the the whole Tim Twenty One story with like him and Bandit and like the whole thing with uh, like Doctor Kwan or the Tavers family. Yeah, and like. And like he's like, oh, do you want to sleep tonight? And he's like, no, I'll stay up, you know. And then like, it, it seems like very clear that that night when he does like get put to sleep, that that's when he wakes up afterwards, and he has like no, he seems to have like very little memory of what have been, might have been going on. Um, yeah, but uh, it's, it's a driller. It's hard for me to like sci-fi. Yeah, but dr- driller was fucking awesome at the end when he just wakes up and he fucking murks all those dudes driller um, a killer driller a real killer <laughs> so and then he's like a oh, little bot don't know what to do and he's just like holding him in the arms oh, yeah awesome. i love the cast that jeff lemire is building here and like i said um it's hard for me to enjoy sci-fi, but when you have a very talented writer, I think Saga is one example, like BKV, when you have someone like that, or when you have someone like Jeff Lemire doing it, I can super get into it. And this issue just like really was a home run for me because it was, I don't know, it's just hard to draw that much emotion into a comic and writing and art, I think um, in both like both avenues this week just really killed it. Yeah, no, it really worked out really well. I mean, I I was sold when the robot dog showed up, but I like him having like a little bit of like you know repulsor blasting whatever he's got going on. Uh, the panel with him like lined up with this fucking when he's all injured and shit is just like terribly, terribly heartbreaking. But I really like Descender. Yeah, check it out. It's another Jeff Lemire book that we've uh, that we really like, along with like uh, All New Hawkeye. So definitely good. But uh, like I said before, moving on to the uh, Oni Press number one. Uh, Kaiju Max, which is, I mean, what's the best way to describe this comic, Ryan? Um, prison gangs with Japanese giant monsters. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, Orange is the New Black meets Pacific Rim. Yep. Yeah, it's a very good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Which is like, that should never be a thing, but it is. Xander Cannon is a writer and illustrator, I believe, on it. Mm-hmm. Um... And I had, like, this issue is, uh, it's a great setup issue, but also the entire comic is just, it's so wacky and, like, just, like, the, 
they're called cryptoids, but they call them crypts, which I thought was fucking hilarious that they were able to just call them crypts and they do that the entire comic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one point where like the new character, like the main character, comes up to this guy called the Helmoth, and the Helmoth is just sitting there and has a ton of tattoos. Um, one of which is a giant bridge, uh, and it's, and like his tattoos say like to the flame, and he's got six 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 and chains all over him, and he's got the spider web on his elbow. Like there's so much like of the stereotypical like prison drama stuff in here, and it's all mixed with the weirdest thing you could ever mix it with, which is kaiju stuff, including a human who turns into a giant robot like that fights monsters. Yep, it is. God, just like pretty. I'm just gonna say like ridiculous, but amazing. Yeah, um, it's super ridiculous. Like, um, I, I didn't get the chance to read it like full cover to cover, uh, but like as when you mentioned it, uh, and got myself the hands on a digital copy and kind of like uh, you know thumb through the pages. The one thing that I did end up finding when I was looking uh, for some actual like hard resources for this thing was that uh, Xander Cannon, the uh, creator of this comic, after number one came out, he posted a one hour and forty eight minute podcast of him talking about the process of making the comic, about his illustration and writing technique. Uh, he Essentially, if you could imagine watching a movie with a commentary track, Xander Cannon is going to walk you through this comic with a commentary track. So after you're done here, I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. If you guys had some extra time and you want to you know, take a look at that, it's very rare that you get to kind of like kind of climb inside the head of a comic creator like that. And so... Um, if you've got the time, you can learn a lot more about a pretty awesome fucking prison comedy comic that I at least am thinking is going to be around for a little bit uh, longer. So that is good news. Uh, okay, and actually now that I look at uh, show notes here, I don't think I have anything else uh, for us to cover. Is there anything that I uh, was really bad with like leaving out? I don't think so. Anything I think that's pretty here? much all of it. Uh, taking a look back through some of the uh, image comics. I know Kelsey and I had both mentioned that, like, Copperhead, we were several issues behind on. Mm-hmm. So even though we got a brand new issue this week, uh, neither one of us had was able to read the, the comic from Jay Farber and Scott Godolowski. But, you know, it, it's another fantastic creator-owned comic that... Uh, is kind of just getting its feet underneath it. And same so if thing you, with Southern Cross number two. Exactly. Southern Cross number two, the same way. So, you know, if you guys want to check out either one of those comics, uh, it's a best, uh, a great place to go. Again, two wonderful books from Image. If there are any other comics that maybe we missed on our survey of the comics of this week, or if there's anything that we um, maybe... You know, you disagree with us on, or you think we should give a little bit more uh, shine to, uh, just give us a uh, hit us up on Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. That's usually the best way uh, to get in touch with one of us. All three of us kind of monitor that to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to send us a bit more long form message, if 140 characters aren't the uh, way to do it, uh, just send us an email. Uh, the email address will be at the end of the show so that you guys can get that. And uh, also, don't forget, Find us on iTunes. It would really help us out if you guys could subscribe there. And if you feel compelled to, leave us a review, whether it be uh, hopefully positive or uh, maybe some areas that you think we could improve in. Have you guys seen the review we have up already? Yeah, they're great. (laughs) I love the one that says your laugh is the best part of our podcast. (laughs) I don't understand that at all. Um, (laughs) And I know, hey, just if anyone's listening and they're going, hey, there's 11 fucking Convergence books out this week, and you didn't talk about one of them. Mm. It's because 
I read them all, and I don't understand what the fuck is going on. We did it for so, you, Internet. <laughs> yeah, we did it for you. If anything, I will briefly touch on there is a Gail Simone book with Nightwing and Barbara that are pre-52, pre-new 52. So go check that one out because their relationship is always the absolute best. And Gail Simone is um, a Yeah, the two, genius, the two real but... shining beacons in the Convergence heap this week were the uh, Batgirl <laughs> Convergence book and Gail Simone's Nightwing. Yeah, getting uh, Stephanie Brown back as Batgirl because her career, like her tenure as Batgirl was cut way too short with New 52 and then um, seeing uh, Babs back as Oracle. Yeah. As was, much as I love New Babs. But it was it was good to see kind of some of those characters get back in the same vein. And I know like, I know Gail Simone had been pretty vocal that she was really excited to be writing Nightwing and and uh, and Babs again, so... It's a uh, it's a good time. I'll do I'll read them all and I'll do a, like a, a blanket wrap up of them next. Yeah, week. maybe next week, like with two weeks of comics, we'll be able to actually figure out what's going on instead of just being like, I love the characters that are in this comic. Things are happening. Who knows? <laughs> maybe because that's kind of how I felt about Convergence this week. I was like, yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, but guys, once again, thank you so much for listening for the cast. Uh, this episode will go up as soon as possible. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Podbean, on Twitter. Email the show if you guys need to. Uh, but most of all, until next week, enjoy your comics. To stay up to date with the cast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2G1GTalkComics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at twoguysandagirltalkcomics at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of the podcast at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com or by following us on iTunes where we're Two Guys, A Girl, and A Comic Book Podcast. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week.